Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to podcast number 143 for April 5th, 2012. Like episode 133, this one is a Q&A as a follow-up to a webinar that I did recently. And so in our introduction, uh, Ron Pereira from Gemba Academy will talk about where you can find and watch and listen to a recording of that webinar um, so that maybe um, this Q&A about SPC, statistical process control, and its application to better management decision-making can actually um, seem more relevant or interesting. Um, I've got a lot of great podcasts coming up in the next couple of weeks. Natalie Sayer, the author of the newly revised Lean for Dummies, We'll have uh, Dr. Dean Gruner, the CEO of uh, Fetacare Health System, talking about lean and ACOs or accountable care organizations. Lots of great stuff coming up, so I hope you'll stay tuned. Um, subscribe via iTunes. You can find more info at leanpodcast.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to the podcast. Um, as we did once before, we're kind of turning the tables on the usual format, we've got Ron Pereira from Gemba Academy, and Ron and, and the good folks there hosted a webinar that I uh, did recently uh, about using SPC or statistical process control to help make better management decisions. Now, that may sound like a, a terribly dry topic, but I think we had uh, managed to have some fun um, with the webinar. So we're going to do some follow-up Q&A, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn the reins over to Ron here. All right, Mark. Well, um, well, before we get into the questions, I just wanted to um, let everybody know that we're going to have this the webinar, a replay of the webinar that Mark did, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, great job, Mark. Up at, and here's, we'll have a link to it, but uh, it's leanblog.org, so L-E-A-N-B-L-O-G.org, and then forward slash SPC webinar. So it's leanblog.org forward slash SPC webinar, and we'll have that webinar up for free uh, for 30 days, so anybody can check that out. And then uh, after that, we will include that into uh, Gemba Academy's, uh, you know, completely package of videos that we uh, that we offer. So leanblog.org forward slash SPC webinar, check that out. And Mark has also made the slides available on SlideShare, um, and so we'll we'll have a link to that as well that you can check out. So. Good stuff there, Mark. And just you know, if anybody's interested, uh, we do cover a lot of uh, this SBC topic um, in Gemba Academy's course called uh, uh, the Seven Quality Control Tools. And so you can learn about that at GembaAcademy.com. All right. Well, we've got five questions that we've kind of summarized, Mark. We've got we we had more than that, but many of them were asking kind of similar things. So we kind of uh, kind of kind of consolidated it down to five questions. So the first one, um, an individual was curious on your techniques. Like during the webinar, you talked a little bit about um, what uh, what Wheeler calls X and M, XMR charts. So our X, sometimes we call them X bar MR um, charts. And the question was, how do you interpret the X chart with the moving range chart? How do you use those two in harmony? Right. Yeah. And, you know, the textbook approach is to use those charts together. Um, the X chart plots the actual data that we're looking at, whether that's, let's say, um, you know, a monthly patient satisfaction score. 
So we're charting that, and then we draw control limits um, around that data. Then the MR chart is a different measure of um, variation in that data. It shows we're plotting um, the relative, uh, the abs well, the absolute difference between each two data points. And so you know, we use those two charts together because either one of those charts can tell us when we've got a signal um, in a quote, you know, what we would call an out of control data point that signals that there's likely something worth investigating that we would call a special cause. And the you know, the, the best approach of using those charts together um, helps because you might have something in the X chart that looks in control, but the MR chart indicates um, a special cause. If there's more variation month to month than uh, we would expect just through chance, um, you know, that MR chart may tell us that, hey, this is likely not just noise in the system. And then there's times where um, the X chart uh, will help us detect signals. So that, that's really why those, those two charts are helpful. And you know, in times when I've done just the X chart, you have to be sort of mindful of not just looking at the data points, but looking for large jumps in those data points and um, in them maybe going back and um, doing or taking a closer look at a MR chart, even if you weren't um, really maintaining that in conjunction with the X chart. Sure. Yeah. And just so, because nobody <laughs> sees the emails that we get, um, but we had a lot of follow-up uh, compliments on the uh, Western Electric rules that you talked about in the webinar. So th those are also rules that I think a lot of people need to be aware of and we don't think enough about that. It's easy to see a, a signal or a special cause above the upper and lower control limits, but sometimes we forget about those other less talked about Western Electric rules. So it was great that you covered that, Mark. Yeah, and we've got a link in the slide share. Or if you know, somebody can just Google, um, do a search for Western Electric rules, SPC, mm. um, and, and, and that's definitely something you know, that, that's relatively simple. Um, yeah. That, yeah. that helps you interpret those charts. Looking for a signal in the midst of that noise. Sure, sure. Good stuff, Mark. Okay, so question number two. This was a uh, – we've had a lot of, lot of uh, discussion and chatter about this. So um, some people who might not be as aware of, of statistics um, may not have heard of this, but those that do study statistics know about a, a, a phrase called testing for normality in, in the Six Sigma world. We talk about uh, the Anderson-Darling normality test and um, you know, checking if our data are normal before we apply uh, different statistical tools. And so there is a, a big debate within the statistical world on whether or not our data should be normal before we look at uh, using tools such as control charts or even really as simple as looking at measures of central tendency. Should we talk about the average or the median? Um, so, Mark, why don't you just maybe shed a little bit of insight um, maybe just your opinion on on this whole case for testing for normality as it relates to control charts. Sure. And, you know, there, there's times where, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a balance between what's accessible and easy for people to use as opposed to what is, you know, 100% technically, statistically correct. Um, you know, and we don't want to be wildly incorrect in, in our use of statistical methods, but you know, I think you know, using this SPC approach is a very practical tool. Um, I've never done those formal tests for normality, 
Um, I did take a look back at some of the data sets that I shared during the presentation and just did some histograms, uh, less formal than even doing a formal statistical test. And the, the data was roughly normal, uh, which, which kind of gives me confidence that, okay, you know, I think for this type of management data, um, I think we do tend to see that type of distribution. You know, we're not doing an SPC chart on, on things with this method that might be exponentially distributed. But, um, you know, Don, Don Wheeler, um, you know, has been part of that discussion. Don Wheeler, you know, who I cited um, in his great book called Understanding Variation. You know, Don Wheeler says that, you know, and he's a PhD statistician, I'll, I'll, I'll take his, his word on this, that um, this control chart method is actually fairly robust, even in cases where you don't have perfectly normal data or, you know, so, so I think Don Wheeler's point is to say, um, you know, roughly don't overcomplicate things. It's, it's not worth doing all of that. And that even if the method's not 100% correct, I think the higher level lessons are still incredibly helpful, especially the idea that we, we need to not overreact to all the noise in the system. And I think the risk of, you know, this not being perfectly correct is that you, you may see a signal of a special cause when it doesn't really exist, or you may have something that looks normal and in control when there's really, you know, something happening, a special cause. And, you know, with any of these statistical methods, there's risk of seeing a signal when there's not one there or vice versa. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm just yeah. Um, following his guidance to say, well, it, to some extent, it, it doesn't really matter so much that this method still can be very helpful. Yeah, and in my personal use of control charts, one thing I think people lose sight of is, you know, the reason that we really want to use control charts, and we'll talk about this in a, in a question coming up here, but we, we want to be using control charts on a regular day basis, hopefully day-to-day -day basis, perhaps even hour-to-hour -hour basis. And in these situations, um, you know, we might be plugging along, and we might have some nice common cause variation, and all of a sudden something happens, and we go out of control with a with a signal or a special cause. Well, in that case, you know, technically speaking, if you have a couple signals or a couple special causes, this may turn our data into a non-normal data set. But you know what? It's 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 the voice of the process, and that's what's happening. So. Um, we, we, I think sometimes there's a danger, and I've done this myself as a Six Sigma practitioner early in my career. You get presented with some data, and you've learned some tools, and you learn box cox transformations, and you get excited that, oh, I'm going to use these tools. Uh, but you're really missing the point of, you know, stop, stop worrying about your spreadsheet and Minitab and go to Gemba, right? Go to the place the work is done and see what's, what's happening with this data and why is this data speaking to us the way it is. So sometimes I think we, uh, and I'm speaking for myself here, I'm also a Six Sigma practitioner, but sometimes we get enamored with the tools and the power at our fingertips and we lose sight of what we're really trying to do, which is study the process. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying there, you know, and, and especially the point that um, I'm certainly not trying to encourage that we completely manage our operation using charts. Yeah, that that charts are one helpful um, approach in addition to going to the Gemba. And, you know, I, I think even beyond that, you know, having good visual management where, you know, ideally, if we have you know good visual management and error proofing in our process, if there's a problem, the people working in that process detect it immediately. We're not waiting for somebody to see it in a daily SPC chart. That would sure. be even better than the chart. Sure, sure.
Good stuff. Okay, normality, always fun. <laughs> okay, so question three. Um, this was a great uh, discussion we had with a with a, a person that was on the webinar back and forth on email. And, and to summarize the conversation, the gist of it was: Should we use control charts for end of month management reviews? What are your thoughts there, Mark? Right. So, yeah, I showed some data um, in, in the examples that I had of you know daily control charts. I had some that um, was was monthly data. And, you know, I think the, you know, we, we can do both. I mean, we, you know, we, in some of our exchange, Ron, you made a great point that, you know, we want to be able to detect signals sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, the, in, the, in the case I showed in the webinar, you know, the hospital lab that switched from just monthly data reporting to, to looking at things daily, they were able to you know, um, do a better job of improving their process because when you see a signal of something that happened yesterday, like it's usually pretty easy to, to go through and troubleshoot and say, okay, what happened yesterday? When you're looking at monthly data, especially when you're looking at monthly averages, you know, if the average performance was poor last month, people, uh, they might not remember why, or, you know, it's hard to tell if we had one or two really bad days in the month as opposed to performance being poor consistently all month. And, you know, in, in, in the case of that lab, they still report monthly data, even though they're looking at the daily results. Um, you, you can apply SPC limits and, and SPC thinking to any of the data, but you know, I, I would certainly emphasize um, the more frequent review, the better, because you're going to be able to see that signal so that you can react to it and improve your process. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the statement I think I shared in our email exchange with the, with the gentleman was, you know, the danger of, of really trying to just run your company or run your business through end of month reviews. It's, 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 a, it's similar to driving a car while looking in the rear view mirror. You know, I mean, you're always looking backwards if you wait to the end of month review um, versus using control charts or SBC on a day-to-day -day basis where, you know, we can actually look forward and make sure we don't run into something, you know? Uh, so I, I've always liked that. Uh, yeah. That. Yeah. Cause I mean, the SPC charts help you make reasonable predictions of what future performance is going to be sure. based on that statistical control. This is different than the financial um, ad warnings that say, you know, past performance does not guarantee future results. When we have a stable in control process, in a factory or a hospital or you know, data with our website, if it's stable and in control, we actually can, with pretty good certainty, predict sure. future results. And if our data falls outside of those predicted bands, then we know something good happened or something bad happened. Great. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Number four. Um, so this question was related to um, humidity. So to summarize the question is, said we have process data on humidity, but we're not sure how that humidity actually impacts quality. So this individual wanted to know, how do we go about setting upper and lower control limits? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, you know, Ron and I live in Texas. We know humidity. Um, but, you know, we look at, you know, process behavior characteristics. And, in fact, you know, Don Wheeler, I, I think the term he uses now for this is really his process behavior charts. Um, which is a good term because, you know, the SPC methodology 
tells us, quote unquote, the voice of the process. So the upper and lower control limits are set based on that historical data. How is the process performing? And so we really, there's nothing arbitrary about the upper and lower control limits. The process tells us what those limits are based on the normal expected variation in that data. And I think, you know, the person asked the question may have been confusing a bit. And this is a really common thing, confusing the difference between our customer specification limits and our process behavior limits. So, you know, the example of, let's say, lab turnaround time data, we had a control chart where, you know, I think, you know, let's say the, the mean was 40 minutes, the lower control limit was 30, the upper control limit is 50. If the customer requirement is to deliver those tests within 20 minutes, we would say, you know, we have a process that's, that's maybe stable. Those control limits of 30 and 50 minutes are set by the voice of the process. The voice of the customer says, we need those tests quickly. Our process isn't capable of meeting that customer specification. So I think, you know, to the, the, the person asked the question, I, I think that's what they were referring to. They're saying, well, you know, we, our end product has quality requirements, quality characteristics. Um, we don't know how to set those. Well, you know, we, we need to be careful. We don't use the customer specifications as our control limits for yeah. the control chart. When you know, we, we need to be careful to keep that all in line. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got experience with this. I'm, I'm yeah, curious to yeah. hear well, your yeah, thoughts. We, and... the, the analogy we often use when we teach this is is a garage. You know, you're, you're pulling your your vehicle into the garage. Well, if you go out and you have a small garage and you and you hit the lottery, so you go buy this big. Humvee or this huge vehicle, well, you know what? Your garage may not be big enough to hold that vehicle. Therefore, your garage is not capable. No matter how centered or how perfectly straight we drive that vehicle into the garage, it won't fit. It's not capable. So so uh, it's interesting because there was another question that I, we got that, that we didn't have on the list, but I'll just throw it in there. A gentleman asked, should I worry about stability or uh, capability first, and my response was, you should definitely worry about stability first because if you're if you don't have a stable process, um, you, you can just forget about ever being capable of meeting your customer specifications. So worry about stabilizing your process first, and then we'll worry about you know perhaps we've got to recenter or uh, you know uh, tweak the, the process. Um, to bring it into into capability, but always want to focus on stability first. Yeah, and so one other example comes to mind looking at, you know, stability, you know, the voice of the process versus the voice of the customer. Um, you know, you can apply, I've actually done this before, let's say if you weigh yourself every morning and you chart that, there's going to be some variation day to day um, in, in your weight. And it's good to not, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, not overreact to every single up and down in uh, in the system, and you know you can I've, you know you can apply a control chart to your weight and look for process shifts, and you say well let's say you know um, baseline my weight on average was 190 pounds and you know there's variation there and then let's say if you you know you're exercising and you're eating better um, and you've been able to now have an average morning weight of 185. And you, you can see a process shift, as we showed during the webinar, and saying, you know, my, my average morning weight is now lower than it had been before. I can say, well, okay, wow, I've actually, um, you know, shown that, that I've, I've lost some weight and had a shift in 
looking at that as you know, a shift in that process, if you will, mm-hmm. and not you know not overreact to say, well, you know, you could do all kinds of maybe unsafe things to drop five pounds in a day. <laughs> um, that's probably not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, last question, Mark. Number five: Should we automate our SPC system? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's all sorts of things you can do. I mean, I think even more so in manufacturing settings where, you know, when I worked at worked in the auto industry, we had machining centers that, um, you know, automatically gauged and measured every part that, that, that came out. You know, these were engine blocks that we were machining. And actually, the, the one dysfunction there, um, something like that would be a great example when we talked about tampering. Um, if you're adjusting... The machine based on um, the measurement of every single part that you're making, um, chances are you're increasing variation in your production, which which seems really counterintuitive um, to people. To say, well, if that if that dimension was a little bit too big, let's tweak the settings so that it's smaller the next time. You know, um, that can actually increase variation. But um, even if you're not tampering, if you're just trying to look at an automated control chart. Um, I could I could see maybe where there's um, that that may save some time in creating the chart, but my fear would be that you know if you're creating the chart in an automated way, it doesn't guarantee that somebody's actually going to look at the chart. And you know I've seen a lot of great applications, whether this was back in in manufacturing in the mid '90s, or I see people doing this in hospitals today. You have the people right there in the process creating the chart with pen or pencil and paper. You know, right on the wall. So rather than having the SPC chart created by a quality function who then has to run it out to the department, well, again, maybe nobody's looking at that. Um, when, when people are charting their own process, um, there's that process of, of adding a new data point to the chart, um, extending the run chart line with, with your own hand, the process of doing that is also the process of evaluation. So, um, yeah, I think maybe there's room for balance that you can have people doing daily charts by hand and then maybe you, you know, roll that up and eventually make that into an electronic format. But I, I, I would be cautious of trying to completely automate that flow. Very good. Okay, well, that's all the questions, Mark. So why don't we wrap this up with uh, maybe you just giving just a quick overview or summary of, of the webinar, the key, key themes and topics that you, uh, that you talked about. Right. So, you know, there's lots of great resources out there on how to do SPC charts. Um, Don Wheeler's book, um, Understanding Variation, is a, a very uh, accessible book. Um, it's got a lot of great stories and, you know, it's really focused on making good management decisions of, you know, not falling in, into traps of just comparing two data points last month versus this month or this year versus last year. Um, lots of really, really applicable lessons in that book. And, you know, that was, again, you know, I think the, the key theme of, of what I was trying to get across in the presentation, that we want to use the charts to make good decisions of helping us not overreact um, to every up and down in the data, making sure that we do react when we see um, statistically meaningful data points or trends, and that we can use these methods to, I think, better gauge whether we're actually making improvements or not, whether we discover by looking at the chart that an improvement may have occurred or when we make an improvement, we can use the control chart as a way of confirming did we shift 
the process in a, in a sustained, significant way. I think it's you know a better methodology than just eyeballing it or using a linear trend line or, or just doing a two point comparison. Um, that that's what I hope you know was going to be helpful from the webinar. That this isn't just a dry statistical topic, but this is something that you know we can really use. Um, to, to improve our statistical understanding and statistical literacy and, and to you know, ultimately um, manage in a, in a better way and uh, improve our business or, or organization. Great. All right, Mark. Well, good stuff. So, again, um, if people want to watch this webinar, um, we'll have it up for, for 30 days. Um, just go to leanblog.org forward slash SPC webinar. And uh, you'll be able to uh, to see uh, Mark in uh, all of his glory. <laughs> it was a great job. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, thanks again, Mark, for doing this. Um, really enjoyed it. We got a lot of great feedback. So hopefully, we can do this again in the future. And um, that's all I have, Mark. Yeah. Well, well, well. Thank you, and you know, I appreciate that feedback and, and the good questions from people. And, and thanks again to Gemba Academy um, for for hosting this and, and for all the the great videos and training that you guys offer. So I would definitely encourage people to check that out, um, GembaAcademy.com. And you know, I say that as um, you know, as, as as a friend of Ron's and Gemba Academies, and having seen their product, um, you know, not in in you know, it sounds like an advertisement, but I'm very sincere when I say, hey, there's some good stuff there, and uh, it's worth checking out. So thanks for doing that, Ron. All right, no, thank you, Mark. Okay, take care. You too. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.